0: And strong opinions.
1: The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, I've got some good news for you. A great contest. You could win lower-level tickets and two Kevin Durant jerseys to see Kevin Durant in his first home game as a Phoenix Suns player. It happens tomorrow. It's happening tomorrow against the Thunder. All you have to do is text the phrase or the letters KD, text KD to 411923 for your chance to win. Two lower-level tickets. I believe it's two, but ticket to lower level tickets and two KD jerseys. Texting KD to four one one 923. Um Wanna talk a little bit about the economy and I'm gonna do this in an order because I want you to kinda I want you to hear about kind of the way it goes. Fed rate increases, Fed rate moves put manufacturing sector at risk. This is a Wall Street Journal story, which I really enjoy their uh, what they have to say because they're so apolitical. This is just about money. The, the American manufacturing sector is starting to show signs of weakness after two years of strong growth as higher interest rates and a slowdown in exports threaten production. Now, the Fed chairman, Powell, says interest rates are likely to be higher than previously anticipated. They were hoping to be able to wade into this without causing a recession and without having to jack interest rates any higher. Because inflation is not slowing, the latest economic data have come in stronger than expected, which suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates is likely to be higher than previously anticipated. The reason why I started with those two headlines now leads me to what's next. The Dow is down 411 points on that information today. The S&P is down 46. The NASDAQ is down 95. So the Dow Jones is down about 1.2 percent, S&P 1.1 percent, NASDAQ a little less than 1 percent, but it's a Downturn. People are concerned about spending money. And now I want you to hear, this has been my criticism. And again, it's, it's my politics. If you don't agree with me, I love the conversation, but I, hear me out. We are at a time when the American taxpayer has less money in their pockets. And I'm talking about all of the American taxpayers. I have never been someone that has been a part of the punish the wealthy mindset. Uh, I'm not necessarily a defender of rich people. I'm just a defender of Americans. I think we're all in this together and we all should have a healthy suspicion of what our government is doing. There is absolutely no doubt that I am. First of all, I'm a Republican. If you haven't figured that out, you haven't been listening for more than 10 seconds, but I am. Republican and the Republican principles I believe in, but I also have to acknowledge in good conscience that the Republicans have been just as guilty as the Democrats in the huge amount of deficit spending that goes on in Washington, D.C. We should all as a nation be looking at that and saying that's not good business. I'm talking about both parties wrestling over the pile of money that the American people give the government is one thing. That is Republican, Democrat. But both parties together should be saying we can't have this outrageous spending. The the Democrats will say we need more uh, we need more programs and we need no more money spent on those kinds of things. Where a Republican might say it needs to be spent on national defense and and that's where the argument should happen, in my opinion. But what's happening is we've seen a big tax increase coming and the president says it's only going to be on people that make more than four hundred thousand dollars a year. The corporate tax increase is happening, which I think is going to be crippling the big and small businesses, which I'm not in favor of. But now my prediction coming true. And again, this prediction is not one. This was not a revelation, if you heard me say it, that anybody thought, you know, I never thought of that. Biden proposes increased tax rate on high earners to keep Medicare solvent. So here we are at a time when the Republicans have been saying that we're in trouble. Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security is in trouble. The president says, well, we're just going to raise taxes as if somehow that doesn't affect the economy and the ability for the federal government to re- to make income. If you look at with to- lower tax rates, we saw increases in revenue. You can't deny it. This is something that bothers me is it cannot be denied. Everybody complained about the Bush tax cuts. Everybody complained about the Trump tax cuts. They said that it was hurting people. But if you looked at how much money was going into the Treasury, the The complaint was Trump cut taxes, but what he didn't do was cut spending. Well, here's what, first of all, COVID happened, but we still had had increases in revenue into the Treasury. If you look at that, I want to ask all of you, no matter what your political leanings are, do you believe that the United States has a spending problem or an income problem? And I'm talking about the United States Treasury, because if you look at just the evidence, they do not have an income problem. There is plenty of money going into the United States Treasury over and over and over again. So President Biden proposing to extend solvency of Medicare uh, program by 25 years with an increased tax rate. It was unveiled yesterday morning or I'm sorry, this morning would fund the program into the 2050s by increasing the tax rate from three point eight percent to five percent for households that make more than four hundred thousand dollars a year. The Medicare trust fund is set up to run out in twenty twenty eight under current tax and spending levels. We continue to either raise taxes Cut benefits, raise retirement ages, or a combination of all of the above, and yet we still see these major problems. At some point, the American people are going to have to look at this and say there's got to be a better way the American people have said they like the idea of a safety net program in your retirement years so we don't ever see a Great Depression again like we saw before. But what we have done is we have we are driving ourselves off of a cliff just by demographics. People are living longer so they're taking from the system longer. We are not procreating like we did in years past which means we have less people being born to feed this system as they get to be working age. It is on a collision course with disaster. Band-Aids aren't Going to help a real conversation, a real non political, apolitical conversation about what is the best way to fix this is the only way to fix this. It, It is every time somebody says, What about an alternative? they lose their minds. About they're going to try to get rid of the programs. No one is saying that. What everyone is saying is we have to keep our word to the people that have been paying into this system. If you entered into the Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid system as a young person of working age, realizing that as you got older, that system would be there for your medical care and for you to have a paycheck to live on every month so you didn't slip through the cracks. That promise needs to be kept to you. And it doesn't matter how eloquently or how loudly or how often it's said, that gets lost in the conversation that somebody's trying to get rid of these programs. What if somebody is saying, is there a better way? What if there was a better way to secure all of those things for people? You know, I had um, I know there are different kinds an HSA, which is a health savings account and other different things I had, which I think are amazing. Never went to the doctor. I was one of those people that didn't. But I had a health savings account and I was able to put money into that health savings account and it carried over every year. And so when I did need to go see a doctor, when it was time for me because of my high blood pressure to start getting some medical things done and testing done and other things done, I had the money set aside to do it. So I think health savings account are a great way to go for people. I, I'm just saying we have to explore options because if we don't explore options, we are going to, as a nation, end up sticking to our principles and being broke. And the systems are going to fail. We should not let that happen. Coming up in a moment, what we're going to do is uh, I want to shift uh, to something completely different. The Supreme Court made a decision today about a, a city-sponsored prayer and what the Supreme Court had to say and the implications that it have, and the fallout from that. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Alright, another reminder to get in this great contest. I there's a lot of cool things over at KTAR.com on the contest page, but this one is the best I've seen so far. Win lower level tickets and two Kevin Durant jerseys. And seeing Kevin Durant tomorrow against the Thunder, playing his first home game as a Phoenix Suns player. You can do that. You can enter to win by texting KD to four one one that's KD to 411923 a supreme court case this uh, yesterday um, rejected a Florida city's request to dismiss a lawsuit. Here's the lawsuit: the city of Ocala, Florida, that's in central Florida, beautiful area of the state. Ocala, Florida, had asked the Supreme Court to clarify whether psychic or emotional offenses um, allegedly caused by observations of religious messages was sufficient to grant atheists standing to sue. Arguing it is not, the Supreme Court denied the city's petition and said it was a temporary. Well, it, it handed the atheist a temporary. In. Although uh, Justice Gorsuch explained in the statement that the lower courts that are reviewing this case will ultimately decide, they believe will ultimately side with Ocala. So here's the thing there's two people, Lucinda Hale and this guy named Art Rojas, who are members of the American Humanist Association. They have accused Ocala of violating the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment because police chaplains were at a prayer vigil after a 2014 shooting in which several children were injured. Court documents said police chaplains were praying and singing on stage while in uniform. Be still my heart. Um, I don't. I don't make fun of people, or at least I. I try not to. Um, This movement is ridiculous because no one is forcing you to believe anything, and you don't have to. The idea that you have such a disdain for people of faith that you actually go after a a chaplain. So why don't you go after the chaplaincy? I mean, honestly, if the government, if your tax dollars are paying a police officer to be a chaplain whose express purpose it is to to provide religious counseling and support, whether it's to victims or it's to officers in the agency, why wouldn't you be against that? And I imagine they some of them probably are. But you have to remember, America is established as a theistic nation. We are not a theocracy. We're a theistic nation. A theocracy rules its country by a religious book. The government. In Iran, Iran is run by the Ayatollahs. The Ayatollahs are considered the supreme leaders. They have a government, but they answer to the religious leaders and a religious book is how they run their nation. We are not. We do recognize a creator. We do it on our money. We do it in our documents. We've done it in every founding document that we've ever had. Um, the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We talk about the we are endowed by our creator. So we as a nation have recognized that. But we've also made room for people who have no faith at all. It's understood in America. You can practice any faith you want to. And and I, I think that shows how diverse we are. I love and embrace it. I think it's terrific. Um, and But when you're someone that has no faith at all, you are not ostracized from this country. But the idea of walking in somewhere and saying, because this is a public place, the, the joke that is a coach that would kneel after a football game or any, any event, sporting event, and kneel with the team and pray. Not forcing kids to pray, but kneel with the kid and pray and saying that that's a violation of the separation of church and state, which is an absolute joke. I defy anybody out there. I defy anyone out there to find the separation of church and state in our founding documents. It's not in the Bill of Rights. It's not in the Constitution. It's not in the Declaration of Independence. It's in a letter to the Danbury Baptist. Jefferson wrote to the Baptist, which was a joke in itself to think that what he was saying to the church was, when Jefferson wrote to the church about this great wall of separation, that he was saying to the church, don't worry, church. You're never going to be allowed to participate in government. No. It was saying, don't worry, church. There's a great wall of separation between church and state. The state will never come in and tell you what to do. The First Amendment says you cannot have your right to practice your religion any way you see fit to be infringed. It was one of the cornerstones of our government. And when you look back and you read the documents and you read the books about it, the founding fathers were leaving a place where they were told how they would believe, what they would believe, how they would worship. And one of the first things they did was say, That's not going to happen. It is not going to happen here that we are going to make room for every faith here that you have a right and the government can't endorse one religion over another. But if you've got a Muslim mayor that wants to practice his or her faith at a time when, you know, it's a religious ceremony or whatever else, they have every right to. If you have a Jewish mayor and they want to celebrate the Jewish holidays, if you have a Catholic mayor, if you have a Christian, you know, a, an evangelical Christian, an LDS mayor, they are going to they are going to worship in a different way. But they have every right to just because they're in the capacity of a, of a political official doesn't mean that they don't reserve the American right to practice their religion any way they see fit. Or if you've got an atheist, to abstain from any type of religious function. You know, if you if you're the mayor of a city and somebody says, uh, you know, and you have you take turns on the city council saying a prayer before the meeting starts and it's your turn, you can raise your hand and say, man, you know, I'm not praying to anything because I don't believe in anything. So who's next in line? The idea that you're going to force religion or faith out of people is shows a level, to me, of disrespect and disdain for the Americans' foundation, not to religious people, not to people of faith. But I wanted to pause with this because these cases are not going away. They continue to be out there. And I think they're ludicrous. I respect people. There are people I've had discussions with that are atheists through and through. I've got good relationships and rapports with them. They respect the fact that I have a belief. And I respect the fact that they don't. I don't agree with them. They don't agree with me. They they would never tell me I shouldn't be able to pray anywhere I wanted to. And I would never tell them they had to bow their head and pray with me. That's called freedom. I'm hoping that I hope it wins out. What we're going to do in a moment is uh, we're going to go back to uh, what this horrible story out of Mexico with two Americans are dead. We'll get an update if there is one on the condition of the survivors. But you're going to hear part of my interview with Steve Hooper. Steve Hooper had been with the FBI for over 30 years. His insight was pretty remarkable. You'll hear some of it next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show as always. Um, I just rewatched the tragic video of the kidnapping of these Americans as they loaded two, what appears to be now bodies, and we didn't know how severely they were injured, but two bodies into the back of this vehicle. Um, and now we, uh, it's been confirmed that two Americans were killed and that two had survived, although one was injured. We, I don't know. We don't know how severely we are waiting to get more information. So I've been trying to reach out to people in law enforcement. I have friends that are in the federal in federal law enforcement. I have a friend that's been over 30 years, his wife over 20 years in the FBI. Um, I talked with Steve Hooper. That's his name. I talked with Steve this morning. I talked to Pinal County Sheriff um, Mark Lamb. And looking at this from different angles – Um, But before I let you hear anything from Steve Hooper, I want to just say one thing. The overwhelming sadness of a tragedy like this, um, when a family that's never been in the spotlight before of any kind, probably, you know, probably a a middle-of-the-road group of people – when, you, uh, when you're when you thrust into the spotlight in one of your darkest moments, it is a very difficult place to be. Losing someone you love any time you lose someone that you care about is a very difficult thing to deal with. To do it publicly and to have this much of, whether it's politics or people's opinions involved, and this becomes a national story, this is an American story now. Whether this family likes us or not, to them it is very personal. I don't know what they're feeling feelings are politically, don't care. But this has become and is going to become an American story. They are going to have to share this grief with the American people. Now, whether they speak publicly or not, I don't know. But they have become a public story, and I feel bad for them in that regard. Um, Although I hope the nation embraces them, and I I believe they will, um, it still is not the point in your life that you want to be dealing with something like this publicly. So I talked with Steve Hooper about what happens next. Now that it's been confirmed that these Americans are dead, at least two of these people are dead, this goes to a whole different level from a kidnapping that might have been a mistaken identity to now the murder of a couple of Americans. Um, So uh, he talked about the collaboration that um, the U.S. has with other countries, including Mexico. This is what Steve had to say
0: across the globe there's FBI agents uh, assigned and most of them work out of the uh, US embassies in those those countries it's no different down in Mexico and and things are in places between the ministries of justice and our department of justice called MLATs mutual legal assistance treaties and it's agreements to share information on investigations
1: So the American, you know, there are there are FBI agents stationed at the U.S. Embassy in Mexico. And so some of them will be deployed. Maybe some people will cross the border from the places in southern Texas, whether it's McAllen, Texas or Del Rio or the other small towns where they may have field offices. But this will involve, you know, a lot of the forensic things. But, you know, the. I want you to hear that part of it, the, the teams. What sort of teams will be sent in for this investigation? Here's what Steve said.
0: There will be a team sent down with uh, everything from uh, evidence response teams, the forensic uh, uh, crime scene investigators, and so forth, um, will participate.
1: Um this is what's interesting to me is then the other thing that is kind of the the big question is about the mexican counterparts because we understand and um this is more of an observation than a criticism. Corruption there is not like corruption here. Um, largely what happens here is when someone is corrupted, it's because of greed. It's not because of they're in fear for their life or their family is going to be killed. And I may be a little naive in some cases, but when it comes to when you see corruption at the government level, it turns out to be greed. It turns out to be a, a series of bad decisions. We know that in many of these cases in where the cartels are involved, it's intimidation along with bribery. They buy people off with money because they have billions of dollars. But they also are sending the message that you're either going to take the money – And the the old saying, silver or lead, you're going to take the money or we're going to shoot you. So what confidence level do they have? And this is one of the questions I asked Steve is what is the confidence level in their Mexican counterparts to being dedicated to solving this case?
0: Well, that's the, uh, the elephant in the room, right? Is, uh, the corruption in the Mexican government. And, uh, to say they have confidence, it all depends. It does come down to people, right? Mike, we know that it's all about relationships and, and, uh, the ability to coordinate and work together. And I'm sure that our, that the FBI agents that are assigned on the border have great relationships with some officers that they work with, uh, across the border
1: and that's a, that adds an interesting twist in all of this and what i mean by that is the twist is now you Whereas you would work in in coordination and not really think much about it in a law enforcement case, if there is a murder that is committed where the FBI is involved on American soil, they don't usually suspect that their counterparts in local law enforcement are going to be people that are not trustworthy. But you have to have that concern. Now, they develop relationships over time. If you go back, and I think this would be a great time for all of us to do a little bit of study, if you would go and look at the U.S. involvement and relationships, that were built with courageous people in Colombia at a time when they were trying to dismantle those cartels. And what I mean by that is there were relationships with honest people and they knew it. The American counterparts knew that these were Colombian citizens that were literally taking their lives and the lives of their family members and risking them for the for the greater good. And so there was a relationship and a bond that was built with those people that was inseparable. But there were also members of local law enforcement that had been corrupted that were working for the enemy, and you had to be able to not only try to get to the bottom of the case you were chasing, but you had to also wonder who was getting the information and who it was going to and who you could trust and who you didn't trust, and in this case, I just wonder how that's all going to play out. In a moment, we're going to talk about crime. Um, We're going to shift just a little, not much, about what's happening locally. What is Cop City? Um, What are the concerns about law enforcement here in the U.S.? We're going to talk about that coming up here in just a couple of seconds, so please stick around for it. All right. Coming up in the final hour of the show, we are obviously going to be talking quite a bit about um, what happened in Mexico, the latest revelations, the latest updates on what's happened to Americans dead, one injured, one and one uninjured, apparently uh, waiting on. I'm waiting on an update of the, of the condition of the two that survived where they are, that they're safe. And then the investigation will continue. We'll do that in the next hour. Before we close out this hour, I want to go back to the topic of our um, economy. We are looking at an economy in the U.S. that is um, a little bit precarious. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm going to look again. Um, I closed the screen, but the the Dow had been down quite a bit this morning, and um, – Looking at what's happened with the Dow, the market right now is down 350 points. The market summary has got the, all three of the indicators. We've got the S&P and the NASDAQ also down as well. Um, somewhere around 1%. Of NASDAQ not nearly as bad. But the reaction to what's happening, and what's happening is this. The manufacturing world is seeing a slowdown of production of goods. Manufacturing has seen a lot of growth in the U.S., but it is starting to see a slowing down as orders and exports have gone down. But also the potential with of, of interest rates climbing even more, as the Fed chairman said, that because of the strong numbers that they are still seeing, the interest rates may end up having to be higher than people thought – than they originally thought they would be. So based on that information – you are seeing a lot of fluctuation in the markets. Where this ends up today, I don't know. And a one day thing usually doesn't matter, it's a trend. And so how far are we going to flounder? This idea and this conversation about a recession that we continue to hear about. I would say that the American people are really underwater in many cases with inflation. The problem I have with this is the knee-jerk reaction from many is, oh, well, the American people are hurting. Then that we should tax the rich and give the money to the poor. I've been, I was just having a conversation with somebody on Facebook who was upset because I don't like the idea of taxing the wealthy. And um, I will tell you, I don't think that it's – first of all, I don't think it's right. Let's just start there. I've never been a wealthy person. I've never been a millionaire, um, but I want to be, I'm working on it, you know, and I'll be proud of it if I ever achieve it, Um, but I've always been working class, I was poor when I was a teenager, Um, I was a middle-class little kid, and my parents divorced, and we were very poor for a few years, and I learned a lot of lessons about work ethic and, and life, I've always worked for wealthy people, and I will be honest with you, the wealthy people that I've been around, and I've had the pleasure of knowing billionaires, I know a billionaire, um they're benevolent people. And confiscating wealth is different than when someone writes a check and gives and and I, I don't think the government's efficient I don't think the government is good at it I think the government was wasteful I think the government as a machine is got flaws that are just systemic it's not partisan driven it's just the way the machine is and so as far as I'm concerned especially at the federal level the federal government should be absolutely as small as possible as small as humanly possible and if you're going to create safety net programs and have all of these other programs, you should handle that locally. What I mean by that is if California or some of these other states want to give a lot more and they want to be a sanctuary city and they want to be a welfare state, they have an absolute right to be, but Arizona shouldn't have to pay for it. And conversely, if Arizona doesn't want to be that way, California shouldn't have to pay for that either. You should be able to stand alone. All of this for me goes back to states' rights whether or not and I am someone who believes and absolutely believes in giving and charity. I believe that as a society that we should be caring for those that can't care for themselves. But we're a mile wide and inch deep. When you're looking at where we are in the economy, I believe I firmly believe that if you're going to take what's happening now, yesterday we did the story that the city of Scottsdale is suffering mightily because of inflation. They had bond projects that are projected over the next few years, 60 different projects in the city that are about $115 million over budget because of inflation largely, that inflation has gone much faster than was ever anticipated or budgeted for. And I think, well, there's a great picture of what businesses are having to deal with. So imagine now if somebody said to the city of Scottsdale, well, we're going to take some of that money from you. you think how? How is that going to be helpful? Well, that's what we're doing to the job creators. And the, the principle in this country I can't get out of my mind is that there are groups of people that believe that just because you don't need it that they have the right to tell you that they can take it to give to someone else. I don't think that's an American principle. I don't think so at all. And that's what's happening. And they believe that it is a noble thing to do, not themselves, to other people. Now there are wealthy people that believe the tax rate should be much higher and God bless them. You know they can do it. They have the ability to do that. You know that there is a line on your tax form where you can actually give the government more money. This is where the hypocrisy comes in for so many of the people in this in this that fit that mold is that they have accountants do their taxes too. So they pay as little as they possibly can. If you're a billionaire and you believe that the right thing to do is to pay a tax rate of 50, 60, 70, 80 percent, do it. But that's not what the plan is. The plan is to force everybody else to do it. It wouldn't solve our problem. You couldn't get us out of debt by taking 100 percent of the wealth of all of the billionaires in the world, never mind just in America. We have bigger issues here. The idea of helping people be self-sufficient is what I would like. I would rather see people self-sufficient and not on the government dole. And we create a welfare state. We keep people dependent on money, and they never seem to get out. And that's what we have to get away from. We now have, we're seeing manufacturing slowing down. We're seeing things slowing down. And the answer from the president is in order to save Medicare and Medicaid, we have to tax the rich even more money. Well, they can afford it. It's only a couple of percentage points. It's easy for you to say. That's easy for you to say. And I I just, I I wish wealthy people would stand up and tell the world, not to brag, but tell the world, this is what I do with my money. Here is what I give. Here is where we give to. Would you rather have me write these checks or cut it by a percentage because the government's taking it from me? That might change some people's minds. Coming up, we're going to talk um, a, a little bit. Coming up, we're going to talk about the economy. We're going to talk about crime rates. We've got a lot more to cover and what happened in Mexico. So all that's coming up in the next segment of the show. So please stick around for it.